0: We are looking at eight different passages in the New Testament that deal with how we are to live, to act, to be toward one another. Last week we looked at how we are to serve one another. That we are to use our freedom in Christ to serve each other. This week we're going to look at how we should not cause each other to stumble. We should not cast judgment on one another. How do you build a community? Or how do you build a group of friends? Worldly wisdom tells us that to do that, you need to gather a group of people that have the same interests, the same hobbies. And then you get those people together, and they have the same hobbies, they have the same interests, and then they'll be friends. What I love about the Gospel, and how I just think the Gospel is so beautiful, is that it makes a community... Not among people that have the same interests, but it makes a community, a church, out of people who are very different. Right? I mean, is, doesn't it say somewhere in Scripture where two or three are gathered in my name, there they have 50 opinions? Take three, three people, put them together, and you know, there you go, 30, 30 different opinions in one little group. But seriously, the church is from all different backgrounds. All different ethnicities. All different opinions. And we all come together as one. Sharing the same Lord in common. The same gospel in common. And that's because Christianity is not about conformity. Christianity... Is about unity. What's the difference? Conformity means that everybody is made to look the same. And unity is we're all different, but we have something in common. For example, in the church, the Bible doesn't conform us, it transforms us. It unites us. For example, we have people here who have different opinions on things. And I'm not talking about the sin issues. I'm talking about the gray areas. Things that the Scripture really doesn't give a definitive answer on. For instance, on the issue of drinking. Questions, can it be done in moderation or should it be avoided altogether? With politics, there are some people who are very avid Trump supporters there are some people who are eh, a little on the fence, and there are some people who don't like Donald Trump. When it comes to parenting, some people are schedulers. Some people believe like it's okay to let the kid cry for just a few minutes while they fall asleep. Very structured. And then there's some parents who don't follow a schedule, who let their children sleep in the same bed and you know what? The Bible doesn't say which one you should do. When it comes to music, what kind of music should we listen to? Some people say we should listen to only Christian music. And other people say, well, we're, we can listen to whatever we want to. Which is it? Well, the Bible doesn't say. What about worship? How should we worship? Should we sing traditional music? Should we sing contemporary music? Or a blend of both? Guess what? The Bible doesn't say. It does not say. Why does it not say? Because it gives us freedom, liberty, to make decisions. Augustine, an early church father, said it this way. He said, in essentials, unity. In the essentials of the faith, unity. In non-essentials, Liberty. In all things, charity. Just to be clear, once again, we're not talking about sin. There are things that the Bible says, hey, that's out of line. We're talking about the things that the Bible doesn't really address. The Bible doesn't necessarily say. And that we all form our own convictions and we follow our Holy Spirit-driven conscience on the thing we're going to see in this passage is that we should build each other up despite our differences. Despite our differences. Join with me in Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 13. And if you're able, please stand. So that when you leave today, you can say that we have, you've had your workout. The pastor's asked you to kneel. Now he's asking you to stand. Next, we're going to kind of jog in place about halfway through. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So, don't let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I pray that as we look at Your Word, as we meditate on it, as we think about it, that it would reshape how we think about our differences. That it would reshape how we view our Christian community here in the church. Help us, Lord, convict us Show us where we are squabbling over opinions and squabbling over minor differences when we should be showing charity and love to one another. And Lord, help us never to cause one another to stumble because of opinions that we ourselves have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. In the passage that we're looking at today, there are three observations that we can make. And the first one is that we should not judge based on differences. Found there in the first verse. We should not judge based on differences. Look at what he says. He says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Pass judgment based on what? Well, he gives the answer for us earlier in the chapter where he tells what's happening in the Roman church. And really, what the judgment that they're casting on each other is about is it's about differing opinions. Differing opinions. Here's what's going on there their opinions were mostly centered around their diet, what they should eat, and around holy days. The days that were set apart to be revered. And this is to be expected. You had people who were once Jews who are now uh, Christians in a city that was largely uh, non-Christian. It was largely Gentile. So the church there was made up primarily of converts who were Gentile. The problem, he says it's the difference between the strong and the weak. He says the strong believers were the ones who understood their freedom in Christ. They were the ones who understood that, that there are some things that the Bible may not spell out exactly for you what you should do, and we're free to eat anything that we want. They would be the ones who would say, no food is off limits. We are not bound by the law any longer. We are in Christ. Every day is equally as important. There's no holy days. There's no, one day is not more important than all the others these guys were the ones that were out there probably eating pork. And thank God, Paul says, these guys were the ones who were theologically right because we can eat bacon. We can eat those foods that are not kosher. To the glory of God. I like this. But he says, there are the weak believers. Now, when I see him say strong and weak, Basically, he's talking about their conscience. He's talking about what they regarded as sin. And he says the weaker believers, uh, they had these preferences that were not necessarily mandated by Scripture, although they probably thought that they were. And these guys believed that there were these other things that you should keep. Now, they did not believe that by keeping these dietary restrictions that it would make you a Christian or not. These were just simply matters that would make you a better Christian. They believed that you should not eat these things. They believed that you should keep these holy days. The strong believers looked down on the weaker ones. They cast judgment on them. They would go and eat those things that they knew they were free to eat, but the other people didn't think they were free to eat. And they would cast judgment on them like... Well, why would you say that? Why would you tell me that I'm not free to eat that? And they would probably make a very strong case how the Scripture opens it up for all things to be eaten. Paul points out to them, the strong believers are actually right. They're right, but they lack love. They lack love. Notice what he says next here in verse 13. He says but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That word that he says there for decide is actually the very same word that he uses there when he says don't cast judgment. In other words, Paul is, is saying don't judge each other, but judge rather never to put a stumbling block in their way. Judge, decide, decide never to cause a brother or sister to stumble. In other words, he's saying instead of judging, instead of looking down on people for their opinions, he says, look, what you need to do rather is to build each other up. Here's an illustration to to kind of help us see. I personally believe that there is nothing wrong with listening to secular music. For me, it helps, it helps me a lot of times keep up with what's going on in the culture. I see what the culture values. But I realize that there are people who really only think that we should listen to Christian music. And so, for instance, if I'm going to get in the car and go somewhere with somebody who has that view, what station do I put the radio on? Well, for me, I probably just turn it off. I ride a lot in silence. But what station does the radio go on? Well, of course, it's going to go on the Christian station. But why is that? Is it because I think that I'm wrong? No, it's because I love that brother. And realize that although we have differences in opinion on how we should do that, we have our personal convictions about things, I'm not going to use what I perceive as my freedom to cause that brother to stumble. I would rather listen to Christian music for the rest of the day and never listen to secular music again if that is going to cause people to stumble. That's what's happening here in the passage that we're looking at. People are looking down on others and causing each other to stumble. It may not be music. It may not be food. But what are some of the preferences that we have? What are some of the differences in opinion that we're going to have on things that the Bible doesn't necessarily spell out for us exactly how we're to believe? What about politics? Is that not one? There are people in this church who are all over that spectrum. What about worship style? There are some people in here who are going to say, well, we ought to have a traditional worship service. There's going to be those who say, we need a contemporary service. There's going to be people who say, we need something kind of in the middle. What about clothing? What clothing is appropriate to wear? What should the pastor wear? Should the pastor wear a tie? Preaching a tie. Thank God y'all don't think that a pastor should. What about Halloween? I'm about to strike a nerve somewhere. I know it. Can a Christian celebrate Halloween? Is it wrong for children to trick or treat? Or is that devil worship? What about school? What about those who say that you should go to a public school? Those who say you should go to a private school? Those who say you should homeschool? Which is it? What about sports? There's people all over the spectrum here in this church. The vast majority of us are stronger brothers and sisters. We support LSU. And I realize that there may be some in here who don't support LSU. They may support teams like Auburn, but we know which one is superior. What about movies? There are some of you who would say, I don't think it's appropriate for a Christian to watch any rated R movie. And then there's going to be some who say, well, it really just depends. It's a case-by-case basis. And some people may say, I'm okay with watching something that's rated R. And as we mentioned earlier, what about music? What should you listen to on the radio? What type of music should we be listening to? What color should the carpet be? What should the church be doing? How, what color should they paint the walls? How do you respond to those who disagree with you? That's exactly what Paul's getting at. And he's saying, when it comes to people who disagree with you, do you pass judgment on them? Like, I can't believe they would go and watch that. I can't believe that they, that they believe That this is better than that. I can't believe that political view that they have. I can't believe this. I can't. Do we look down on them for that? Or do we see, just like in Paul's day, we got to love each other? We have to agree to disagree on things. The second observation, and this really gets at the heart of what he's saying, is that love is more important than being right. Love is more important than being right. I want you to notice here that Paul does take a side. Okay, so we're not not here saying that there is no absolute truth. It's just whatever works for you. Whatever works for you, y'all just do you alls things. There is something that's right. It may not be on either side a lot of times. People may disagree and they both may be wrong. But somewhere out there is right. And notice what Paul does. He takes a side and he says this, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Paul is saying, you're right. But notice how gently he does it. He doesn't go busting open the door saying, you're right, you're wrong, y'all need to go over here. He just gently says it. Why does he do it that way? Why is he so gentle with the, the Christians there who may not necessarily agree with him? It's because at the end of the day, it's not important. At the end of the day, it's really not that important. He says, follow your conscience. If it's against your conscience to watch a rated R movie, if it's against your conscience to listen to secular music, if it's against your conscience to to dress a certain way, if it's against your conscience not to celebrate Halloween, that's okay. For you, it would be sin to do those things. For you, don't violate your conscience to do those things but don't cast judgment on the others who do. And if you do, if you're on the other camp and you think it's alright to do all those things, don't cast judgment on the ones who are saying you shouldn't do those things. At the end of the day, he takes society, He says, this is what's right. But at the end of the day, it does not matter. So two problems, he says, with the stronger brothers looking down, casting judgment, causing the weaker brothers to stumble. And the first one, notice, he says, it's not done in love. It's not done in love. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. Tripping someone because of being right is the opposite of love. Just because you're right doesn't give you the right to go and trip somebody up, to cause them to stumble, to cast judgment. The second thing is, that he says is making a brother stumble is destroying the one that Christ died for. He says to them, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. When you think about it, the very one that you disagree with in the church, the very one that you would probably stand on opposite ends with, realize that Christ died for them too. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. When you realize that Jesus loves that person just as much as He loves you with your opinion and their opinion, that should change how we approach our differences, church. That should change how we love each other even when we have different convictions on things. Finally, He gives the underlying principle. He says, don't let your differences be thought of as evil. Don't let your convictions be thought of as evil. You want to find a way to live your life in love the way He's talking about? Live with this principle. Live in such a way that your convictions, your opinions, aren't thought of as evil by anybody else. Live in such a way that you are not forcing your convictions, the things that could go either way, on people. That you don't cause them to stumble and think that you're sinning. Live your life in that way and you'll be loving one another. That means that if you have a certain conviction on Halloween, one way or the other, live in such a way that your conviction doesn't cause others to look at you and think, man, that person is just... When we lived in North Carolina, we were a part of a small group that people came in and they had very different views on things. There were different styles of parenting in the group, to be honest. That was the core issue. We were all a bunch of young families. We probably had 20 kids in that small group. It was sometimes a nightmare. Sometimes we wouldn't get much discussion done because there were kids running everywhere. We had just had Mary Beth at the time And so as parents, obviously, we read up on parenting. We read the parenting books. There were people who were on polar opposite ends of the parenting spectrum from where we were. Everywhere in between. Everybody viewed parenting differently. Some people believed in schedules. They believed that you should be very structured that you should let your kids cry it out. They were okay with spanking your children. And then there were others in the group who had a, different, a difference of opinion. They believed that, uh, that you really shouldn't have schedules. They were more open and free with their parenting. And you know what? Both were great. It was good for us to be in that group together. We had some new people join the group and one of the parents... Questioned some of the others. And I won't say which side they're on. But one parent came in and, and looked down on the others and said, how do you even love your kid if you let him do that? If you're going to parent like that, you must not love your children. Immediately. Immediately. Our group was divided. Immediately, somebody stumbled. All because somebody cast judgment on something that is just a preference. On something, one of those gray areas that it really doesn't matter. Do we prioritize love more than we prioritize being right? whatever that looks like in your situation. You probably have some examples that you could share, some differences in opinions and preferences that you have. Do you love being right? Do you love holding on to those preferences more than you love the other person? He tells us that love is more important than being right. Finally, he says, the gospel brings peace and unity. The gospel brings peace and unity. I love what Paul says. He says, The kingdom of God, verse 17, is not a matter of eating and drinking. Let's contextualize that to us a little bit. The kingdom of God is not about which style of worship you use, the kingdom of God is not about what parenting style you use. It's not about the music. It's not about the movies. It's not about all of these preferences that we have. But the kingdom of God, he says, is about the important things, the main things. He says righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. These things are the things that are truly important. Are we becoming more righteous? Righteous? Do we have peace in our lives that comes from the gospel? Do we have joy in the Holy Spirit? Are we rejoicing in Him? These are the things that really matter, not our preferences, not our differences. We can argue about the little things, but at the end of the day, they just don't matter. These are the big things that really do matter. These are the weighty things. And notice the result of what he says to somebody who lives this way. He says, whoever thus serves Christ, talking about someone who serves Christ, not casting judgment, not causing a brother to stumble, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. He says that they are pleasing God in that, but also, I love the way the NLT puts it, They are pleasing God, and others will approve of you too. Do you want to find approval among your fellow church members? Do you want to find approval among your peers? Walk in love, he's saying. Don't cast judgment on others because they're different from you. When it comes to matters in the church, there's really three groups that they fall into. Three tiers, if you will. The first tier is matters that are essential for salvation. I mean, these are matters that if if we disagree on these, then we do need to have words. Like if we did something like the deity of Christ, matters that are extremely important. If we disagree on things like that, I don't think you're a Christian. Okay, this is why we don't just necessarily hold hands with our Mormon friends or our Jehovah's Witness friends and say, hey, we're all together, we're all Christians. No, because we disagree on matters that are that important. The second tier are things, matters that are important to the faith, they're important to the church, but they're not essential for salvation. Really good questions like, for instance, how do you baptize somebody? What's the proper way to baptize? Should you sprinkle uh, people as babies or should you baptize them when they profess faith in Christ by immersion? These things are really important and we have differences in opinion. Obviously, we as Baptists believe that you should be baptized by immersion when you profess faith in Christ. Our brothers and sisters in the Methodist tradition and in the Presbyterian tradition answer that question differently. That's why we're in two separate churches. We can disagree on those things. They're important things, but at the end of the day, we hold hands and say we are all Christians together. We look at our Methodist friends, we look at our Presbyterian friends, and we say we are believers. We believe the same Gospel. And then finally, the last one, they're matters of indifference. Church, these are just things that uh, really are preferences. They're opinions. They just don't matter. They're non-essentials. Worship style being one. All the things that we mentioned earlier. Things that really at the end of the day, we can be in the same church and disagree on them and agree to disagree and continue loving each other. We don't avoid those conversations, but rather we have them in love. I love in Christmas when we have Christmas dinners... And I won't tell y'all which family it's with. It's just one of our families. We're always told don't talk about this, this or this. We've got all these people coming in from out of town. We want to have a nice, peaceful Christmas dinner, so you don't talk about this, you don't talk about this because we don't want to offend anybody. We just want to have a nice family time together. Notice Paul's not saying that is he? he's not saying don't talk about these things. By all means, these are conversations that need to be had. We have to talk about these things sometimes. They're good things to talk about. But he's saying, when you do talk about them, make sure that you talk about them in love. Make sure that when you leave that conversation, that both of you are still united together in love and just realizing that y'all are going to have differences in opinion. Notice finally the command that he gives. Let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. He's saying, your main pursuit should not be these little things. Your main pursuit should be the things that actually unite you together. Well, what unites us together? Paul has been unpacking it for the entire book of Romans. The Gospel. The Gospel holds us together. Think about the Gospel. The Gospel that tells us that He accepts us where we are. The Gospel that tells us that even though we are sinners, He will welcome us to His table, He will cleanse us, He will forgive us, and He will transform us. He won't leave us where we were. And the Gospel transforms all sorts of people. It doesn't just transform white middle class Americans. Thank God the Gospel transcends race. The Gospel saves black people, it saves white people, it saves everybody in between. The Gospel saves people who are you think are on completely different scales. For instance, in the church, you can have a janitor teaching a CEO because the Gospel saves them both and they're united together. In church, you may be sitting next to somebody, you may be a well-dressed person sitting next to somebody who is tatted up, pierced up, got all the, you know, all the gear, holding hands, worshipping together because the Gospel has saved you both. In the church, the gospel makes the difference. In the church, the gospel unites us together, even though we are very different at times. Even though we are very different. The Apostle Paul tells us that we should not judge each other based on our differences. We shouldn't cause each other to stumble on these tier three issues that just really don't matter. He tells us that love is more important than being right. That we have to love each other more than we love being right. And he finally tells us that the gospel brings peace and unity. The main thing that we see here is that we should build each other up even when we have differences. As we think this morning about responding to God's Word, I think if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, the way that you respond to what we've looked at today, is to realize that the Christian faith is more than opinions. The Christian faith is more than just these indifferent things that could go either way. The gray area. The Christian faith is the most important truth. And we hold out to you today the most important truth that you are a sinner. You were in rebellion against God. But Jesus lived the life that you should have lived. Perfectly Righteous. And He died the death you deserve. And that you can be forgiven. You can be transformed. You can have new life by clinging to Him. And we would love to talk to you more about that. We would love for you to embrace that this morning for the first time. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, for you, responding to this may mean that you need to go to somebody who who you have caused to stumble, who you've cast judgment on, and apologize and say, God's Word has really convicted me, and I feel like I need to come to you and say, I'm sorry. I was using my freedom in a way that was inappropriate. I was using my freedom to tear you down and not to build you up. For some of you, that may mean that you just need to agree to disagree. I don't know what all conversations are happening in the church. I don't know every interpersonal thing that's happening in the church, but I do know that in a group this size, there's going to be people who are at odds with each other. There's going to be people, that person that sits on the opposite side from you, that person that believes the opposite thing, that person that y'all just don't really get along. This passage, to respond to it this morning, may look like you getting up and telling that person, I love you. We may differ, but we'll just agree to disagree. Finally, for us, I think for every one of us, it means that we should commit... To being united with others, even if they are different, radically different, even sometimes in non-essential matters. I feel like we should put that verse above the door in our business meetings, every business meeting we have, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. But we should write it on our hearts as well. As we go about our day-to-day lives, we should make it our purpose that when it comes to other believers, that we are not going to look down on others. We're not going to tear others down, but rather we are going to love them and to commit to being united in the gospel. As we sing this morning, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would move and that that would happen in our church. Because the gospel does not create conformity. Conformity. He didn't just seek us out because we have the same interests. But He brings people from every background, every tribe, every tongue, every nation together. How beautiful. Father, as we worship You today through responding to Your Word, I pray, Lord, that we would not cause one another to stumble. That we would realize on the matters that are not that are not really the main things. That we would have enough love to let them go. That we would realize, Lord, that we don't have to be right about everything. That we realize, Lord, that we all may have different convictions on things, but at the end of the day, we have to walk together in love. Lord, help unite us around the Gospel. The thing that truly unites us. The thing that can save people who are from two different backgrounds. From two different political ideologies. From two different races. Convict us today, Lord, of ways that we are not walking in love and forgive us, Lord, for ways that we have walked that is not loving to our brother or sister in Christ. Help us, Lord, to be united around the main thing, the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.